Well, hello everyone. I am your host, Colton Prater, and this is the Fires of Revival podcast. And as always, I am honored that you would take the time out of your day to listen to this episode. And for this episode, we have a very special treat here. We have with us Dr. John Reynolds, the pastor of Sunlight Baptist Church. He's been there the past several years, and we're going. I'm going to interview him for today's episode. And before we jump into our interview, we're going to open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into our first question. Dear Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity for me to do this interview, to record Dr. Reynolds here. And I ask that you be with both of us, that you fill us with your spirit as we're doing the interview, that you'll just calm any nerves we may have and just help us to speak clearly and just work through this interview and use it to impact lives. And in your son's name, amen. Amen. All right, so for our first question, Dr. Reynolds, I have just a couple here. Uh, Do you mind telling the audience how you got saved? Okay, I was a preacher's kid in the mountains of West Virginia. And uh, my dad started a new church. Came out of the South, out of the Northern Baptist Convention in 1949, and started a new church. And it was a general sense of excitement in the community about this new thing. And, yes, sir. And there was a new building and all these kinds of things happening. And we had an opening revival. A number of people got saved, and uh, we were going to have a baptismal service. And so I wanted to be baptized. Well, they asked me the questions, you know, that they should ask me and talk to me, everything like that. I knew the answers, and I was baptized. Everybody thought it was sweet. My dad was baptizing his son, you know, and it was, you know, really neat. The thing of it was, I had not really trusted Christ as my Savior. I wasn't trying to fool anyone. I wasn't trying to be deceptive. I really wanted to be pleasing to my parents. I wanted to please the Lord. And so I did that. But later on in a revival at our church, fact is it was a youth meeting, a Saturday night youth meeting. And a man there came and preached and he preached the gospel. He used some illustrations that I really related to, particularly about baseball and hitting the ball and running and the guy hit the ball ran came around and uh all the way home and inside the park home run Mm -hmm. and uh the pitcher got the ball back and when he got the ball back he turned and threw to the first baseman and the first baseman put his foot on the bag and the umpire said you're out Hmm. he missed first base wow and um, I related to that. I related to that. And that night I trusted Christ as my Savior. Wonderful. Wow, that story there that you just said sounds like a lot of young people. I know friends of mine that have gone through a similar experience. They thought they were saved, gotten baptized, and then realized later on in life that they weren't saved and that they truly had to get, be born again to be saved and be an, enter, into the heaven of, uh, enter into the family of God. And that story there you heard from him is very relatable, as I said. And this man here has been in ministry for many, many years. So if you Slow ever, down now. Don't stop it too many, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it has been many, many. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to reveal his age. <laughs> you might kill me if I did that. But no, I'm right it, proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> but as you see there, though, many Christians go through that doubt. You know, you think you're saved, but in reality, you're really not. And I would like to encourage you, if you're listening to this episode, and you've never, if you think you were saved, then you're really not, and you've gone through doubts, and you're wrestling with it. Get it settled. Amen. Talk to your pastor, your youth pastor, your parents, whoever it may be, and get that settled today. The last thing I would want is for someone to listen to this episode and hear that testimony of salvation and just reject it. 
So if you're sitting here listening to this and you heard that story and it resonated with you and you, you know in your heart that you're not saved, please settle that today. Now our next question here we're going to jump into piggybacking off of that. You've been a preacher for many years. Do you mind telling everyone how you answered the call to preach? Okay, I was, again, in a youth revival meeting. And back in the early days of Tennessee Temple, we did not have singing groups that went out. Mm -hmm. Because there really wasn't the money. Uh, There wasn't the way to do that. And churches couldn't afford, little churches couldn't afford to have a group in, even if they were sponsored by a school. And so what Dr. Robertson did was in the early days, they sent out preacher boys in the summertime, Mm -hmm. and they would help them get meetings in a particular area of the country. And they would go back and preach revivals, particularly youth revivals, Mm -hmm in that area of the country and recruit students to come to Tennessee mm-hmm. Temple. Those were the early, early days. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, a fellow came to our church, a fellow named Glenn Matthews. Mm-hmm. He was from West Virginia. He came to our church, and my dad knew his dad. And he preached, and he preached this matter of surrendering, surrendering your life to the Lord. And in that meeting, there were seven of us that surrendered our lives to the Lord. As far as I know, I'm the only one that went consistently and stayed with that calling all the way through. Uh, It doesn't doesn't make me special or anything like that. It's just preachers need to understand that. You need to understand that. People listening need to understand that. Uh, Not all fruit follows through and bears fruit Mm -hmm. and so it can't be discouraging but uh, I surrendered my life to the Lord then to do whatever the Lord wanted me to do and of course naturally out of that I went to Tennessee Temple when I graduated from high school and uh, immediately after that I say immediately it was not the next day or the next week but shortly after that as a 13 year old kid I started preaching Oh wow! And <laughs> I was early. I was a I was a kid preacher there in the mountains mm-hmm. of West Virginia, and it was quite a novelty. Mm-hmm. I thought people came to hear me preach because it was, you know, there were for the country mountain, it was good crowds of folks. Yes, sir. And I thought, <laughs> I thought they came to hear me because I was a good preacher. <laughs> I think the reason they came to hear me is because I was young. I was a kid, <laughs> yes, and I was preacher Reynolds' boy. I was Preacher Reynolds, boy, that was my dad. My dad was Preacher Reynolds. That's who he was. And so as a kid, I started preaching. And uh, that was in high school. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of good things, a lot of bad things about that. I, was, I grew up in the day whenever they excluded the Bible and prayer hmm. and everything from the school. Oh, wow. We had a Bible club in the school, Youth for Christ Bible Club yes, in the school. And I was in the Bible club when they marched us out of the building Oh wow! and hmm. told us we could not any longer hmm. meet in our room. And so it was, uh, you know, a hard day, but good days, but good days. But that's where I surrendered to the Lord, went to Tennessee Temple, felt the Lord calling me to be uh, an associate pastor. Yes, sir. And didn't know all that that meant or anything like that. Graduated from college, went back to seminary, got hooked up with Curtis Hudson, and 
that's the rest of the story. Oh, wow. That's a lot right there. And for our next question, also kind of piggybacking off of that, just so our listeners can get an idea a little bit of who you are, because no doubt there are some that are listening that have probably never heard your name. Do you mind outlining for us your ministry experiences, like how many years you spent at certain places, and if you mind doing that? Well, Colton, when I do this, you're going to think that I am a kind of guy that can't keep a job. <laughs> but immediately out of Tennessee Temple. Mm-hmm. Now, while I was in Tennessee Temple, and as a, as a young man, I would, in the summertime, work in churches back in my home area. And I worked with young people, and I was a young people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'd, I'd had some privilege and had some exposure. And so we'd get together and, you know, uh, and had a good time with that. Then out of school, I went back to be my dad's associate pastor. Okay, always from the time Daddy started this church and I was called to preach, Mm -hmm. it was always that Daddy would retire and then I would take the church. Mm -hmm. And so I went back there as associate pastor, which was really part of that program, you know. But there were things that took place that the Lord turned my heart a little different direction. And uh, so I was there for a year. I was called to a, at that time, in that place, quite a large church as a youth director. Mm. And after being there just a very brief time, the music director at the church resigned. So that pastor asked me to take over the music, and I did the music and the young people. And, uh, you know, some difficulties came in the church that had nothing to do with me. But I was kind of caught in the middle of it. And so I resigned with no place to go. And that's when I went back to Temple for my uh, seminary work. And out of seminary, then, uh, my last year of seminary in Chattanooga, I got hooked up with Curtis Hudson in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And for five, six months, I drove back and forth, working during the week, going to school, then on the weekend, going to Atlanta to work at Forest Hills Baptist Mm -hmm. Church, which was a little church there in the Atlanta area. And uh, then, of course, you know, I worked for him a long time until he went home to heaven. In that time, uh, I did some other things for a time whenever God led each of us a little different direction. He into full-time evangelism and then to the sword of the Lord. And I pastored for a little time mm-hmm. in there before we reconnected at the sword of the Lord. Uh, I often tell people, you know, uh, we we broke up for a little while, but we didn't get a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and had a wonderful, wonderful ministry together. After that, I, after he died, I went back to Tennessee Temple as vice president of development and served there for a time. And without saying negative things, it just it just wasn't comfortable for me, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I got a call about coming and starting a church in Florida. Yes, sir. So went to church, went to Florida, started a church in Florida, Pastored it for 20 years, retired, 
and moved to Georgia, lived within 15 minutes of all my kids, all my grandkids. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, great-grandkids. And, uh, and so it's a wonderful thing. And then a little church. We live, we live very out in the country. We yes, live in the country. And so this little country church that I've known for a long time had, and, and knew when it was started, knew the pastors that have been there, have preached a revival there. Anyway, they, the church was going down, couldn't really afford a pastor. They needed somebody who had another source of income, and I was retired. And so they asked me if I would come pastor and help them out. So that's where I am and what I'm doing. I said, but you have to remember one thing. I am retired. Mm. And I do travel. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's good to have my son there with me, my youngest son. And uh, he teaches on Wednesday nights. And if I'm out of town, he preaches on Sunday. Wow. So it works real good. Yes, sir. I, I can imagine. But it seems like you've been just about everywhere. It seems like going from here and there. And you've had all kinds of life experiences as a yeah. pastor, as a church planner, as an associate, as a vice president of a college. And it seems like you really have been everywhere. And I know one of the names you mentioned was the name Curtis Hudson. And I know that name is very dear to you, and you were a good friend of his. And I love listening to Curtis Hudson messages, and my family does. So he's one of my favorite preachers I love listening to. So do you mind maybe sharing a story or two of a good memory you had of Curtis Hudson or just a story or something? What kind of, what kind of story? Whatever story a you church want. church story or a fun story? Or you want to tell a fun story, you can. We'll go with that one. Okay. You know... He hired me. Mm -hmm. We did not know each other. Never had heard. He had never heard of me. <laughs> I'd never heard of him. He pastored a, uh, he, had, he pastored a church about 200, 200, 225 mm -hmm. in the Atlanta area. I knew some pastors in Atlanta, but I didn't know him. And uh, of course, he heard of me through a family that visited his church. And he visited in their home. He said he was looking for somebody to come to work with him in the church. They gave him my name. And he contacted me. Well, I, wor I was working, going to seminary, and all of those things, and was not home a whole lot. And this is it's a strange thing. We got, in those days, before cell phones and everything mm -hmm. like that, you know, there were people who would make strange calls. Strange people mm. make strange calls. Yes, sir. Okay. A man called the house, and my wife answered the phone. And this man says, is your husband home? Well, my wife is not going to say no. He's <laughs> not home. Mm. And she said, who is this? And he said, my name is Curtis Hudson. Well, she didn't know Curtis Hudson. And anyway, that's back and forth. And she, when I got home that night, she said, I got a really strange call. And so she tells me about that. Anyway, we finally get together. Whenever we meet, I am Joe Youth Director, okay? <laughs> I have this sporty car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm working with a camp, okay? And... I'm not interested in working with this guy. I never heard of him. I figured if it was anybody I wanted to get hooked up with, I would have heard of him. And, and so he, we called. I called from a payphone. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Some people remember that. <laughs> I called from a payphone, and he told me where to meet him. We met him in this filling station parking lot. Whenever he got to the filling station parking lot, I had on this T-shirt, blue jeans, and a pair of cowboy boots. <laughs> and he tells the story. If he were here, he'd tell the mm -hmm. story because he's told us so many times. He said, I drove up, and I, I was sitting on the hood of my car with my <laughs> cowboy boots on. <laughs> I can just imagine the scene right now. <laughs> and he drives up, and he said, I drove in and saw this kid sitting on the hood of his car in jeans and a cow and cowboy boots, and I thought, oh, Lord, no, not this. <laughs> It was hilarious. Mm. But, you know, we played golf together. We traveled together. We flew places together. We flew together with Lester Roloff, the oh, two wow. of us in the plane mm. with him. Uh, we just had so much fun. I still dream about him sometimes. Hmm. And anytime I dream about him, we're having fun. We're just laughing and enjoying being together. And I try to go back to sleep because mm. it's like spending yeah. time with him. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. But anyway, the stories are numerous, but that's just a little introduction to our relationship. Yes, and that night, that night that we first met, God knit our hearts mm. together. And only God could have done that. But God pulled our hearts together because I wasn't looking for him, and he didn't really want me. Mm. But God put that thing together. Wow. I know hearing that, I, I knew you were his longtime assistant whenever I think Curtis Hudson, I typically think of your name. But I honestly had no idea that is how that y'all came across, and that is how y'all had met. And, you know, I listen to Dr. Hudson a lot, and he has these, that, that special humor about him when he preaches, and he could just tell jokes for, he could honestly seem like he'd go on for hours and hours just telling jokes. And I can just imagine him telling that story now with the big grin on his face and just oh, yeah. getting the crowd to laughing. Now, and, now I'm going to tell you, that's totally different from where, how he was personally. Personally, mm -hmm. he never told jokes. Hmm. I mean, one-on-one. -on -one. Now, we laughed and talked, and there were funny things that happened, but he didn't tell jokes. He was a very quiet person, privately. Mm. In many ways, a very insecure person. Wow. You know, he never had the opportunity of going to Bible college. And by the time he understood what Bible college was all about, because he was raised entirely different. And in the church that he was raised in, it was like the church churches, I should say, not our church, but other churches where I was from in West Virginia, you were either, uh, you either went to Bible college or you were God called. Yes, sir. And if you were God called, you didn't go to Bible college. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to go to Bible college if you, if you were God called. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a whole different yes, idea. Mm -hmm. And whenever he realized the need for that, he said, I was already into this ministry and it was going and it was going. Because whenever he took the church, there were 12 people. Mm -hmm. And now at this time, whenever I come to the church, there's 250, 225, 200, 225, 250. And, and so he said, I made up my mind. What I'll do is I can't learn everything this week. 
because he was still working at the post office yes, at that time. He said, I can't learn everything this week, but I can learn enough to preach this Sunday. Hmm. And then I can learn enough to preach the next Sunday. And he said, I can build a body of knowledge. And his mind was phenomenal. Yes, sir. Hmm. And God placed, and he would tell you this, if he were sitting here, he would tell you this, no school nor Bible college could have placed in his hands a better sequence of things to study in his progression in the knowledge of the Word of God than what God did for him. And uh, he, he would not recommend to do it that way. Yes, sir. But that's the way God led him. Oh, wow. Hmm. And do you mind telling maybe a more serious story about Dr. Hudson? Maybe something you were on the road with him traveling somewhere or maybe at a meeting or something? Well, there's always, you know, there's always soul-winning stories. But the story that always comes to my mind, after he resigned the church uh, in Atlanta, at Forest Hills, and I resigned with him, he went into full-time evangelism. I was the advanced worker and did the music in the meetings, and citywide meetings. We did citywide meetings. And a great challenge. And he had a burden for revival, and he conveyed that to me, and mm -hmm. God burdened me for revival. And we worked hard. I mean, we worked hard. Our, our families never saw us, because mm -hmm. we were working hard. We were in Wichita, Kansas for a citywide mm. meeting. Five days, well, Sunday through Friday. But we worked and worked and worked and worked in preparation for that. He'd be preaching one place, I'd preach in another place, just back and forth all the time. And God gave us revival. Yes. Did you ever hear the name Ray Hart? Uh, I've heard the name, but don't okay. really know anything about it. Ray, Ray was. Uh, Metropolitan Opera singer, got saved through Jack Wurtson's ministry, and phenomenal voice, and he was our kind. Yes, I mean, sir. he sang in our kind of churches. Mm -hmm. How he got there, I really don't know. It was, yeah, I do know. It was not a good situation. But he got into our kinds of churches, and he found a home there. And uh, he's in heaven now. But uh, Ray was the soloist. I was the choir director and congregational leader. Uh, Ray was a soloist, and Carl Hatch was in the meeting in Wichita. He led the soul-winning efforts every day. People would come, go out soul-winning. They had a revival in the jail in Wichita oh, wow. that week. Whoa. And the sheriff said, I don't know what this is. He said, I don't know what's going on. But he said, the prisoners are different. Mm. He said the whole attitude in the jail is different. One night walking across from the civic auditorium where the meeting was being held to the hotel where we were staying, uh, Carl and Ray were walking along and a fellow came up, two fellows came up, and one guy was already saved. The other guy got saved mm. that night. And they have these uh, lighted, low lights, pathway lights along. 
and we were sitting in the restaurant, looked out there, mm-hmm. and there was Carl and Ray and these two guys kneeling around this pathway light mm-hmm. with the Bible open <laughs> out there in the middle of this huge area, you know. And it was just, that was not uncommon. Mm-hmm. And the fellow that got saved was in town for a boxing match, and he was a Golden Gloves champion. No, it's not Golden Gloves. He was an Olympic yes. champion in his weight class. Uh, his name was Sugar Ray Seals. Now, there was another more popular boxer by the name of Sugar Ray. Yes, sir. I'm familiar with yeah, that. Yeah, okay. But this was Sugar Ray Seals. He was the only American the year he won uh, the gold medal in his class. He was the only American that won in boxing. Sugar Ray Seals gave a testimony. He came into the revival gave a testimony of what God had done for him, how he got and say. And so there was just an attitude that it was just amazing. Ray stood up to sing one night, and, and he just stood up with no accompaniment, no nothing. It was electric. He just started singing, Jesus loves me, mm. this I know. And tears running down his face as he sang, Jesus loved me. Mm. Jesus loves me. This I know. I don't know what to say, Colton. It was just it was just that atmosphere. We were going to go on with the meeting, but this is how the devil works. Mm. There was a pastor who was the chairman of the revival committee. He was the chairman. And we had a meeting of the pastors on Thursday night after the service. And Dr. Hudson was saying, you know, what do you think, fellas? What do you think we ought to do? Because I told him, I said, Doc, we'll find a place to go. We'll find a field and put up a tent. I said, we'll, we'll do something. We'll find a high school gymnasium or football field. I said, we'll find a place to continue this meeting if that's what God wants to do. He said, well, you know. And so the chairman said, well, we set it for, we set it for, Sunday through Friday, and uh, we're going to, I think we ought to stop. I think we ought to stop right now, and uh, I don't think we ought to go on. Mm -hmm. So we stopped, and we said goodbye, and we all left town. Mm -hmm. That was on Friday night. It went through the weekend, and on Monday, that pastor followed through Mm -hmm. on his plan to leave town. Oh, wow. With his secretary. Mm. Wow. And, you know, you trust God in all things. But what an impact that was, and what a meeting. Mm. What a meeting that yes, was. Sir. Souls saved in the services, in the streets, in the jail, everywhere. Mm. That's one story. Well, so one story. I, I could keep asking stories. I know you would love telling stories, but we got to keep. We'll the talk about it in heaven. Well, we got to keep this episode somewhat short. So, just a few more questions here, and we'll close it up. I'll keep them short. All right, but I know the theme of revival is heavy on your heart. I could tell that in the service you preached Sunday morning that you just had that theme. It was just bubbling over. It seemed like you just it was on your heart. And do you mind explaining what revival is? And I say that because there's so many people in America and across the world that are praying for it. 
yet many honestly don't even realize exactly what they're praying for, or what re- true revival even is, or what to expect if a revival comes. I don't know we'll recognize it when we see it. Mm-hmm. I must tell you, what we're seeing right now is somewhat of a revival. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about it in our country and in other countries throughout the world. There's always a spontaneity about revival. The Holy Spirit takes over. It doesn't mean we don't, like preacher was talking this morning, it doesn't mean we don't plan, it doesn't mean we organize, we fund, we do all of those things. But there, are, we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit can take over and do things. And we can't say, no, 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 we can't do that because this is, you know, uh, we planned this and we got to do this and this. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit's got to be in charge. Mm-hmm. God will not share that glory with anyone else. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to own it. Temple Baptist Church is not going to, Crown College is not going to own it. Independent Baptists are not going to own it. God is going to own yes, it. Sir. You know, many yeah. people want to see revival come as long as it comes through them or their group. Wow. But that's not that's not the way God works. God's going to own it. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I'm getting to preaching. No, you can go for it. You want to get to preaching, you can have at it, sir. I, 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 I'm trying to answer the question. Mm. But it is God's people getting thoroughly right with God until the Holy Spirit is pleased to honor and answer mm. our prayers inevitably in revival there are souls saved mm-hmm. that just happens when God's people get right with God it's Pentecost yes sir okay sure. that just happens homes are changed your pastor has given a wonderful list of things that happen mm-hmm. out of revival but there is a righteousness that takes place you know Billy Sunday and Billy Sunday's meeting Billy Sunday shut down the speakeasies and the bars and I mean they went out of business in town jails in town in Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Pennsylvania there were sheriffs and deputies out of work because there were no prisoners in jail. Well, that's something right there. <laughs> I mean, the community standard of righteousness is changed mm-hmm. by revival. Now, that's a result of revival. But the revival, let me say this and I'll finish okay. with this question. Okay. In praying for what we want God to do, let's don't forget to thank Him for what He is doing. Wow. That's powerful right there. The closing line you just said, thanking Him for what He's done and what He is going to do. You know, those that are listening, that's a very powerful truth He just mentioned there. Hopefully you grasp that. Hopefully you realize what He just said there. But that is so true that... If we want revival, we have to begin thanking God for the blessings He's given us, thanking Him for everything He's done in our life, and we have to have that spirit and that attitude of thankfulness. And now just one more question, Dr. Reynolds, and we'll close the interview here up. But lastly, can you give a short challenge to the listeners on the topic of prayer and revival and how that those two things are inseparable? And how that if you're going to have revival, there has to be prayer involved. Because you know this, many of the revivals of the past, you look at them, 
there's always some kneeling figure involved of someone praying. There's preaching involved, yes, and there's soul winning involved, but there's always been prayer. And do you mind just giving a few closing thoughts on that? If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, okay, <clears throat> get out of the pretense, quit putting on, quit acting. I mean, you can't fool God. You may as well be honest with Him. He knows who we are <laughs> yes, and sir. what we are. Why would we put on some kind of pretense with God? Uh, humble themselves. You know, we do not do what God alone can do. Mm. But God will not do what He's told us to do. Don't ask God to humble you. Now, He can do that. Yes, sir. And he can bring things into your life that will humble you. But he says, humble yourselves. Willingly humble yourselves. With all that that implies, and we could go on for a long time about what that implies. But pray. Now, if you pray and seek his face, I mean, prayer... Now, I'm for extended periods of prayer, extended time. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm for personal prayer. I'm for corporate prayer. I like all kinds of praying. I was raised in churches where everybody prayed out loud at the same mm -hmm. time. Now, that's not necessarily the best, maybe, but I know one thing. As a little kid, I learned how to pray, praying out loud with a bunch of people around mm -hmm. me. And I could talk to God. And after I finish talking to God, I will listen to other people talk to God. And I learned how to talk to God. Listening to people talk to God. And Mr. Short always prayed the longest. <laughs> but he prayed other places too. I was spending the night with a friend of mine that lived next door to the Mr. Short. Mm -hmm. And I heard in the night, I heard something. And I asked my friend, we were just kids. I said, what is that? That's somebody talking. He said, that's Mr. Short praying. <laughs> I mean, he was next door in his house. We were in this house. Mm -hmm. And we could hear him calling on the name of the Lord. I mean, he was before God. But I think it's not, okay, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, God, I'll see you again sometime. Mm -hmm. I think there is a seeking of his face a constant walking with the Lord in the spirit of communion and fellowship. And I can't take away from that the times of crying out to God for revival, for healing of our land, for the things we need from God. But, you know, you can't, you can't separate prayer from revival any more than you can separate the power of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. from revival. Uh, it's not like one thing here and another thing here and maybe we'll pull this and pull that. No, they are all so intertwined that you cannot separate mm -hmm. them. I mean, you put cream in your coffee, how do you separate the cream yeah. from the coffee? Yes, sir. You can't do that. I mean, it's just part of it. You can't separate prayer from revival. It's mm -hmm. just there. Part of it. 
Well, thank you for that. That was very insightful. They're very, very powerful truths. And that wraps up our interview there. So thank you all. Thank you, uh, Dr. Reynolds, for taking time out of your day for doing thank this you for interview. Yes, sir. Thank you. And one more thing before I close this up. Do you mind closing this out in prayer for us? Father, I thank you for Colton. I thank you that you've given him the burden to do this type of thing. And what a day we live in that this kind of thing can be done, that he can have this kind of ministry while he's here in school preparing to serve you. And, Father, serve while serving, while learning to serve, while preparing to serve. I thank you for that. I ask you to bless these that have listened. I pray that something will have been said that will help them. Now, Lord, I want to pray that you will do a stirring within your people in this nation and in this world that will honor you and glorify you. Lord, I pray for righteousness to be exalted, for evil and wickedness to be put down. And I pray, Father, that something will happen through this election or the results of this election that will be so marvelous for your glory that you're the only one that can get the credit for it. Thank you for loving us. I thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Father, for giving, giving us a place to serve, an opportunity to work for you until you take us home to be with you. We sure do look forward to that. In Jesus' name, amen.